Time Travelling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Trisha. And I'm Paddy. In today's Rambling of the TARDIS, we take a look back at the second incarnation of Romana as portrayed by Lala Ward. We'll be talking about her strengths and her weaknesses and listing what we think are her best and worst stories. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on Romana too. So as always, to join the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team, that's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P, on Facebook, Twitter, or x whatever the hell it's called there um and instagram or you can email us at time traveling at teamproductions.com now the way we normally do this is we go through the characters strengths and weaknesses or weaknesses and strengths because we like to end on a high note and then mm-hmm. we'll discuss the lowers the lowest three and then the top three stories yeah um, and it's always in the bronze, silver, gold yes. order as well. Yeah. So, and then it goes bronze crap, silver crap, gold crap, which is interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so how, okay. Do we want to follow our standard formatting, which means I did socials, therefore I go first, or what do you want to do? Yeah. Yes. Because uh, oh, <laughs> I've been curious as to see your thoughts on Romana. Okay, so before we jump in and before I start off on weaknesses, I think I've been thinking about this a lot like yesterday and today as I was putting together my notes because mm. full disclosure, I literally had to go back into the last number of podcasts since Romano 2 came on the show and listen to what I said again because <laughs> I was like I have a memory like a sieve. Um, I found the whole thing incredibly difficult to do. Mm. and listening back on it i will say that if by some weird chance she ever listens to this lala ward i'm sorry that we repeatedly compared you to mary tam like literally in every episode we're like this would have been Rebetters romana one imagine what romana one would have done which i'm sure is annoying for listeners and I'm sure it would be quite upsetting to Lala Ward. So I do apologize for that. However, given the nature of the character, we didn't really have much of a choice with it. Because I'm going to go into my weaknesses now. I have one weakness for Romana across the board. For Romana 2, okay. specifically. I have one weakness for mm-hmm. Romana 2 across the board. Which is that she's so fucking inconsistent. I don't actually know mm. what her strengths and weaknesses are. Mm. Because what would be, you know, a strength in one story, in the next story, she doesn't have that strength anymore. It's completely fucking disappeared. Or what would be a weakness in one story, again, in the next story, isn't a weakness anymore. And then it comes back again. And, like, the way the character was developed was so fucking flip-floppy. They didn't have a clue what they were doing with her. And part of it was the writing. And we discussed this in several episodes like we were saying that I need to go back and actually look at the the names in order now. Sorry, because I'm going to get them wrong. But we were saying that for um, for example, City of Death was filmed before Destiny of the Daleks, and like creatures like yeah. the the order that they were produced was completely out of order. The fact that some of the stories were written for Mary Tam as Romano One wasn't good. Which means Lala didn't know what the fuck like who the character was 
Um, and yeah. even when she did sort of get somewhat stable, because I think Lala got somewhat stable in her characterization after a while, it mm. took a long time for that to happen. Um, so for me, like her main weakness is just the fact that she's so fucking inconsistent. Because like I was listening back through, and I was like, "Oh, is her weakness the fact that she's a bit damsel and distressy?" Because that comes up more than once for her. Mm-hmm. But then she'll have the next episode where she's not damsel and distressy at all. Then the next episode after she is, I'm like, "Is she or isn't she?" <laughs> Do you know, mm-hmm. and it was so hard to pin it down. The only weakness mm-hmm. I can say she has definitively is that as a viewer watching her, she's completely fucking inconsistent. It's like, yeah, she's either really intelligent, but in the same episode, apparently doesn't understand basic concepts, or she's really brave, but also really not, or she's really cold and callous and a little bit hoity toity and up her own ass. But at the same time, mm. has really good rapport with certain characters who would be deemed sort of below her. Or like, you know, she's very, you know, again, hoity-toity up her own arse, but also cares a lot for slaves. And so it's, like, it's this weird sort of fucking hodgepodge. So for, yeah. for me, her weakness for me is just she's fucking inconsistent. Mm. Is the only way to describe it because I was trying to again. I listened back through to all the bits I talked about about Romana, and I could not mm. find singular weaknesses that I could hang my hat on and go, "Yeah, that's a weakness." Definitively, end of. No, even like a weakness that grew and left her. No, because her growth stuttered and started so much. I can't even say she grew out of it because it's just that they decided not to write it this episode and then they decided to write it again next episode. If yeah. that makes sense. No, no, it does. It makes an awful lot of sense. How about you? Were you able to come up with any definitive weaknesses? Um, see, the problem is, like, as you say, everything is very... Um, what is it? It's inconsistent. Mm. Because looking back on characters that... Both are inconsistent and characters that I didn't, we didn't like, or I didn't like. And to <laughs> beat an old drum, I don't like the character of Stephen. But yeah. I, I, I don't. But at least Stephen was written consistently, yeah. which is why I don't like Stephen. The the character that is consistently written is someone that I did not like at all. And then we have characters that are inconsistent in their portrayal because which affects your your ability to grasp the character mm. uh for example victoria because some episodes some stories victoria was really interesting mm. and in some she's barely there yeah. and all she does is scream and then there was uh we talked before about inconsistency when it came to leela mm. But Leela, like Leela's true line was that the inconsistency was in, was in her portrayal as of, of how savage, in, quota, in quotations here now, s- savage she was. Mm. Because of the, like, um, where before like, she was fearless and she had, like, understanding, it was always down to her intuition. And then there's the episode where she's chewing the doctor's scarf because she doesn't understand what's going on. Mm. Um, so that was weird inconsistency there. Whereas with Lala, or Romana too, 
the inconsistency is compounded by the fact of the regeneration. And like, I like that's a, that's a point I will always go back to because it is a voluntary regeneration and we don't know like what, what that entails because we've seen before the, the core essence of a person stays the same through a regeneration, but personality quirks are different, you know, different likes, different dislikes, so on and so forth. We've never seen one, but that's always been under, examples of duress or like or unexpected death we've never seen one of a voluntary basis and the personality shift with that was very jarring i think mm. and so you're then trying to figure out is like is it meant to be the same person or is it like all regenerations it's just a new characteristics with new um with new attitudes, new outlooks on stuff. Um, and then, yeah, like as you said, it's just inconsistent. Like one week she's a damsel in distress, one, then the following week she's, you know, rough and ready. Um, next one episode, she's kind, caring, compassionate. The next episode, she's an obnoxious bitch. Mm. It's, and I like, I know that we've been kind of joking about, um, oh, this is going to be a difficult one to do. And no, oh, this, but while yes, it is difficult, it's also the first time I feel bad doing it because yeah. it's so hard to give an actual honest opinion on this character because of how inconsistently written she was. Yeah, and that, and that's why, like, you know, I, I sort of felt the need to sort of include that apology to Lala at the beginning because, you know, if we compare her to any of the previous companions really like any of the ones who had any sort of you know longevity to them meaning not including um sarah kingdom or um mm-hmm. what's her face katarina katarina um they all had progression of a sort now sometimes that mm-hmm. progression got backpedaled looking at you fucking um Joe Grant and fucking mm-hmm. Green Death, which I still fucking hate. Um, or, you know, in the case of Leela, it was often two steps forward, one step back, but still it was two steps forward and one yeah. step back. Um, so they all had that. And so it was easier to, you know, identify what was a strength and weakness. But again, for Romana 2, it's difficult because, you know, again, unlike, you know, Doc Bill into Doc Pat or Doc Pat into Doc John and Doc John into Doc Tom. In the context of the character, this wasn't a force. She just decided to change what she fucking looks like. Mm. So why does she not continue to act as she did before and then gradually change into Romana too? And um, was the fact mm-hmm. that right from out the gate, we had no fucking clue what was going on with her. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it remained like, that way throughout, do you know? And I, you know, we've sort of said before, like, oh, maybe it's, you know, oh, like I could see this scene working with Mary Tam and I could see this sort of mm. working with Mary Tam. And I don't think it's necessarily Lala's fault. Do you know what I mean? She's no. a different actor. She's a different size. She's a different presence. And I don't think the writing or directing, and we'll get to when we talk about our worst and best stories, I think, but I don't think they supported her enough 
in that character and i don't mean like you you've read that behind the scenes book that i got you for for um mm-hmm. your birthday or christmas whatever it was um like does that go into the characterization and like what guidance lala was given in any way not really it's because it's there's only x amount of space or x amount of page that he can devote to every story mm. and not every not every story has a juicy thing to it um and of the the problem with lala ward is and it's even it's not it's not the problem with just lala ward it's her time on the show is wrapped around her relationship with tom baker yeah. and so anything that is related to production or performance or scripting or however you want to do it it does have that massive asterisk beside it mm. of relationship between you know leading stars um and i will i want to say one thing that is not to completely mitigate our every episode talking about it but we have like we have said before that we've seen certain stories working better with a previous doctor yeah. i would have i would have seen john do a better version of this or i would have seen bill do a better version of this or whatever the case is it's just yeah and like even like to bring up mary tam here again the decision to voluntarily change that's not something that we would have seen romana one that's an action like that we've never seen would have guess that character would make in a hundred years because at the end of her run romana 2 is so against going back to the citadel Mm. and no that's fine at the stage where the where the regeneration happens my read of the character is romana 1 wouldn't have been at that such a rebellious stage in her development yet yeah, I think she may have... I think she would have gone back. Mm. But she may have gone back just to leave again. Do you know? Yeah. Um, oh, no, oh, no, what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, like Romana 1... Like, if it had stayed as Romana 1 mm. throughout the entire run, yes, though I can see her not wanting to go back because of her eye, her eyes open. At the end of the, 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 the key to time, the decision to, I'm just going to change into some... I'm going to voluntarily regenerate... Yeah, that, that, that makes never sense. part that of the character. That doesn't yeah. to her character at all. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, with that's what that, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying with that one. So, you're you're kind of left then with a character that is it's is is kind of trust upon you first of all, mm. and you're trying to wrap your head around it, and the story that they are they're in, we weren't a huge fan of. So that kind of set things up for failure in that regards and then you're waiting for the next story but then as we've talked about the order in which stuff is written and then produced and because yeah i think it was what was it they shot creature first because that was written for mary tam yeah and then and and then they did destiny then they did city or or something but but yeah but this is the problem like when you're shooting stuff out of order for a brand new character and that no one has yet to write about everything it's all over the place so we had to wait 
for the we had to wait for three stories before we were like, okay, we're finally getting some semblance of what this character is meant to be about. But by that stage, we had kind of like drawn our opinions, and I think what we saw then with the stories that were coming on didn't really shake the opinions overly much. Yeah, and and like I said, I mean, to your point, I think it's a bit unfair on Lala looking back that, like, I I don't think she got the support she needed for her character. Do you know? Um, you like you said, her first season. Fuck knows what they were doing with Romana, who was Romana meant to be, blah blah blah. And you have her budding relationship with Tom. Then they Mm -hmm. break for the summer. They fucking break up. Mm-hmm. And so then into her second season, and for the first, what, half, if not the majority of the stories, the writers and directors are trying to keep Tom and Lala apart. Mm-hmm. So they're not giving her good material to work with and not giving her good bounce offs of Tom, which in fairness, in her first season is probably, I mean, we're going to get into strengths in a second, but like, I think that probably was one of her strengths in her first season is she did have a great chemistry with Tom. And they did bounce back and off, mm. back and forth off each other quite well. Mm. Um, yeah, no, they did. I don't necessarily like, I didn't like all the scenes at the time, but like the chemistry was there. Do you know what I mean? Um, whereas mm. in her second season, they're trying to fucking keep them apart. So they, they have entire episodes where they never even talk to each other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel kind of bad about it, but like it is, it is what it is. Um, <sighs> So, so, I mean, so my weakness is inconsistent. Yours is like I don't. I have instances of bad character traits, mm. but like, like, and like, I, I can go down through them here, just you know, for the mm. sake of, uh, I suppose you could say transparency. Like, I put down that I had said that you know this is incredibly difficult because she's fairly inconsistent throughout the run. Mm. And I said that there were times where she was incredibly obnoxious, which she was. Mm. She was condescending to humans, like in, for example, Nightmare of Eden or even City of Death. And there was also times where she was borderline as narcissistic as the doctor is, Mm. you know. Um, And then those were all really, those were like personality traits because she did have one or two instances of being damsel in distressy, but that was fairly shut mm. down kind of fairly fast. Um, and it just became the personality of the character was the, was her weakness because no one knew how to write her personality. Yeah. Yeah. And, on, and I suppose then as well for, for Lala is that she's being handed scripts that are based on, Mary Tam's char- characterization, which she has, mm. like, that's not who I meant to be. And then she's being handed scripts for a blank canvas. And then she's being told what her characterization is. Mm. So, like, she has to work to someone else's standard, to create her own standard, and then to cre- work to a standard that's perceived that she can be. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's, it was tough. And, like that's why like we would like we're always saying we'd love to hear feedback on these stories because our scores are fairly representative of the fact that the last season and a half or the last two seasons 
were kind of rough watching because of this inconsistency in characterization and also this inconsistency in script quality, mm. just in general outside of Lala. It's not all down to her. Yeah. It was, yeah. So, <laughs> like, we joke and we joke, but at the end of the day, like, we're, I don't know about you, but I'm sad more than anything. Yeah, because like, if we move on to her strengths, because unfortunately the same conversation happens with her strengths because she's mm-hmm. so fucking inconsistent. What is an actual strength? So I tried to to I tried to pinpoint it down, and to be honest, I really struggled. I really struggled mm. because even the strengths that in one story I'd say like, oh, this is great, we get to see her intelligence. They undermine it in a second. But look, let's just... Mm-hmm. I was going to list the ones that I saw that I liked even if we didn't get to explore them as much as I would have hoped. Mm-hmm. One is her dynamic with the Doctor. I think the way she talks with him, the way she engages with him, I think 60% of the time, maybe 70% of the time, is really good. There's a good mm-hmm. back and forth there. She holds her own while still learning. You know, she holds her own with him. Like it's about 60-70% of the time. The second one, and is, is the one that irks me the most, is her intelligence. Mm-hmm. Because we do see moments where this Romana is very intelligent. We see her repairing K9. We see her working on the TARDIS. We see her coming up with machines. We see her doing her own experiments in um, Meglos, not Meglos, um, the Leisure Hive. Um, mm-hmm. So we see these moments of her intelligence which is great and like intelligent romana is one of the things i love about romana you know as as an overall arching character her intelligence one things i love and the other mm. one and the one that probably stands out the most to me and this might be a bit of a spoiler for later on is while yes she is obnoxious she can be condescending particularly in her first season she, she's very fucking condescending in her first season mm. she does have a protective streak in there somewhere Mm. of of those in need and we can see that in horns of naiman was probably the first big example of it we saw it in mm-hmm. warrior's gate we actually saw a bit in full circle as well even though we didn't get as much of romana herself in full circle even as the way she reacted to adric and adric's mm-hmm. companions you know when she could have been all bluster and what the hell are you doing get out of my ship she tried to be understanding of their situation yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's something that we're again. I don't think we got to see it as often as I would like, but, but like, it's something um, that I think is really good, and it's something that was built on from Romana One, which was great because Romana One she went through that development of caring more for others, and then we got to Stones, mm-hmm. and we got to Andrew the Tara, which Paddy got for his birthday in the novel format. Yes. Um. So like, we go through that with her, mm-hmm. and then. Romana 2 has, uh, it's a bit dodgy, but then we see it go from caring for an individual, like was largely what we saw with Romana 1, again, that bit in Androids where she's walking, oh, fucking love it, Um, to Horns of Naimon, where you've got Romana blocking all of these slaves and standing Mm -hmm. up, uh, or tributes rather in that story, and standing up for them, blocking them. Like That is a continuation of the growth we saw in Romana 1 into Romana Mm -hmm. 2, that when we did see it, I fucking loved it. Again, Warriors Gate. I don't know if we, we might talk Warriors Gate in a bit. We'll see. Um, but we saw it there as well. They're slaves. We mm-hmm. can't leave them there. We have to go back for them. That I think was really good. I 
I don't think we got enough of it. Mm. But when they did do it, they fucking did it well, in fairness. And yeah. Lala played and it you, astoundingly well. And you could even stretch it to the likes of Shada and State of Decay. Because while there it's more wrapped around an in- individual, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I said, that's probably, for me, I think the protectiveness of those in need is probably the biggest strength. Because while it doesn't come up in every story, when it does come up, they do it properly, they do it well, and it feels so genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really liked. How about you? Uh, so first things first, I had the guy. Obviously, the people can't see us. I had a big stupid smile on my face when you said I got my birthday present of Stones of Blood and Androids of Tara. Can't wait to read the novelization. Um, no, I'm I'm pretty much kind of spot on with what you're saying in terms of strengths because, yes, we we actually get to see that her practical intelligence is on par. No, we knew it from the previous incarnation but we see it here again more experiments being done however they end up we'll (laughs) potentially talk about but the fact that she's able to do these things by herself is there also like yes she's the one constantly repairing k9 but that leads to like a good relationship with k9 as well i enjoy that aspect of it um but no it's her her protective nature i think is her biggest strength is her place to protect those that can't protect themselves yeah yeah no so like i don't have really anything to add onto what you said because it's the it's the only thing that rings true and clear without any sort of um dumbassery attached to the end of it yeah i would agree i would agree so Next, we go through what, in our opinion, so in Patty's opinion, then in mine, or my opinion, Kristen and Patty's, mm. are the best and worst stories. And this this was hard mm. because I maybe picked out one for both, and then everything else just sort of lived in the middle. And to try and come down with a three, two, one was actually really fucking hard. Um, yeah, like at one point there, I was just kind of going. It might even be a two each. Yeah, because it, it might be actually, oh, I don't know. I think definitely for my worst story, one of them I have in there. So I'll, I'll just give you my list, right? So, in yeah. again, least worst to worst worst. That, that's, yeah. the way, that's the way the ranking goes, people. That makes no fucking Least yeah. worst to worst worst. <laughs> Shada, The Leisure Hive, and Destiny of the Daleks. All right. One of those is because she does nothing. Okay. That being Shadow. She does fuck <laughs> all in Shadow. Do you not want to hear my ones? Yeah, but I was saying, like, in ones? terms of like yeah. have, getting to three, ah, okay. one of those was just a oh, okay. she does fuck all. Cool. Okay, how about you? So I have least worst, Leisure Hive. Mm-hmm. Middling worst, Destiny of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Worst worst, Creature from the Pit. Creature did float there for a while for me. Yeah. Um. But I, again, trying to think back. I think I liked Creature because it was her most romantic oneness mm. <laughs> up until that point. <laughs> um. Even if the rest of it didn't work, I think I liked mm. I liked her for that. 
Um, but yeah, so why don't we do Shada, mm. Leisure Hive. So I do Shada, we do Leisure Hive, mm-hmm. we do Destiny, and then you do Creature. Yeah. Work? Yeah. So. Actually, do you want, sorry, I'm going, I'm going to throw a spanner into that fucking work mm-hmm. straight away. I'm going to swap out Creature with Destiny. I'm going to put Destiny as my number one and Creature as my number two. Okay, so Shadow for me, Leisure Hive for both. Creature for you. Creature. Destiny for both. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Why did I pick Shadow? I literally, I listened back to each of the conversations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, each of the stories we had, like, what the fuck was that, Romana? Or whatever. Shadow was the one where I was like, she does nothing on her own. And the few little bits we do get of her where she could have shown her potential and her intelligence was so massively underwritten. So again, I'm thinking that scene in um the the other TARDIS with Claire where all they're doing is holding buttons. That's literally fucking it. They're just holding buttons. So, like, she is either someone for Skagra to talk to or she's following through on someone else's plans. She's very little of her own agency. And we do get this sort of weird bit of weird lore around her and a bit of a retcon of Romana 1 where, you know, Romana 1 was top of her class she practically knew the book inside out and back to front, you know, very sort of studious or whatever. And in Shadow, we got the fact that Romana repeated the time word as if she's bored child. Do you know, it like you know, she came across as bored of their history and stuff like that, which didn't really tie in with the character we've come to know up until that point. So is it Romana at her worst? No, I don't think so. But like and again, part of this was for all the fucking hype Shad I got, mm. there was very little Romana in it. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> you know, particularly for a story with so much hype around it, you'd want our characters to get equal development and equal growth and whatever. And, and she just doesn't. She just doesn't. Mm. And so for mm. me, I think, in terms of looking back on her character as a whole, that story had so much potential for her that was just wasted and she was just there and that was it i almost had shada as one of my top picks oh, really? because i because of i liked her interactions with chronosis mm. and i liked her chemistry with the doctor and i remember at the time saying oh that oh i can see why people were latching on to the um this Romana because again just the, the, the back and forth between the two of them just seemed so natural and it was like it's she you know I agree she doesn't really do anything but it's like an, an inoffensive doing nothing as opposed to like you're doing absolutely fucking nothing you're like whatever you're doing is not adding anything to the fucking plot line uh, but yeah no I it, it got long listed it's now just like in the middle yeah so then we have the Leisure Hive, as we said. Mm-hmm. So why did I put the Leisure Hive in second? Um, there was one reason that was always going to be in a screw you bitch kind of thing. She blew up K9. No, 
Um, I think like the thing with the leisure hive is she is so how about she's so whiny at the fucking beginning, mm. which is irritating as hell. Unfortunately, from a continuity perspective, they added in this weird shit about like her being freaked out about bypassing the randomizer is suddenly a problem, even though it was never a fucking problem before. I mean, mm. he brought you to Brighton, a very specific place. He didn't fucking care. Um, and the thing, though, that sort of really gets me is that, like, again, we had an option or moments of seeing her, like, she was sciencing it up with um, Harden, which was great. But, like, she doesn't see her experiment through to the end, and it goes horribly wrong. And, like, it, it just felt so half-assed. It's like, she starts off super fucking whiny. She just screams her head off when the doctor goes into the machine in the first place. So, the only agency she really takes is doing the science experiment. But mm. even then, she doesn't, she's not a good scientist. No. Which for a Time Lord fucking red flag over in the corner. Do you know? Um, which mm. maybe I'm being a bit harsh on it, but like if you're going to have a story that shows her intelligence, then show her intelligence. Mm. Do you know? And if you're going to have a scene where like it was just the silliness of it, I think. The doctor going to the machine and her being like, get him out, get him out. Get him. Like, fucking do something. Go up and work the console. Don't just stand there screaming. Do you mm. know? Um, so yeah, it's like for me, like it, it, it seems like a weird one to have in the second worst spot in some ways. But like, I was trying to pick out like what was the redeeming quality in it. I'm like, she did some science stuff with Harden. But she didn't do it properly and it turned out badly. So mm. how about you? Why why did you why did you have it on your list and why did you move into the number two spot? <laughs> um she go she's the reason I had it in my number three spot is because she has two personality types mm. in this entire story. One, a toddler throwing a tantrum. Mm. Two, a giant fucking nag. Like, the whole thing about going to Brighton, it's like, okay, fair enough. Look, you've been with the doctor now however long. You should know, never get your hopes up. Mm. Like, as to what the des the, the destination is. And then you, you, throw, you blame the doctor for not upgrading his salt water shields or whatever. And as I said, like, just don't throw the ball in the direction of the fucking water. Like, don't. It's just, like, it is, it's not that hard. It really isn't. And then throughout the entire story, before, like, once they land on the place, like, after the Doctor becomes old, we talked about at the time, like, that it's, yeah, okay, she's she's kind of protecting the Doctor because, you know, he's, he, his age is catching up with him. Mm. But she just nags him and nags everyone around him, and yeah, like the other, like the issues surrounding, like she's a bad scientist. Absolutely, she doesn't use the intelligence that she purportedly has. Absolutely, 
but again, it's just this. You you nearly want to do like a a Picard on it and just go shut up, Romana. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So then you just did a switcheroo a second ago. So I a switcheroo. I'm sorry, creature. And again, it comes down to the the personality type, and it's this is the one of those ones where I felt like that Romana was really obnoxious and condescending, mm. like the 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 side plot of the metal bandits, and just there, there's like this arrogance of superiority that just emanates from her and like we, I remember at the time saying like that if this had been the previous incarnation if this had been Mary Tam she wouldn't be demeaning to them mm. she'd try and trick them yeah and like Rom- Romana does try it by kind of saying like you know oh I'm the handmaiden and it's like they're not gonna fucking fall for it mm. like do do something else that lo- that puts them into a false sense of security. Don't like imagine if you were there like with a, like a, a fucking thing like a swarm of bees, like or a beehive, and it's like okay, how do I get away with this? Like I need to find a way to figure it out. What I, this is her essentially just fucking kicking the hive. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about. Her interactions with the eponymous creature, mm-hmm. whose name I cannot remember at the moment, and that yes, we said that that particular character wasn't wasn't a saint, but Romana seemed unnecessarily harsh to them, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Still, yeah, no, I get you, I get you, and now that we think about it, I, I probably would replace Shadow with it now that we've that you've said that out loud. Um, yeah. like I don't think I was as critical of her in that no. story as you were. Not of the the way she was with the creature. I feel like I was as critical of that as you were. But but I get yeah. where you're. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I I think we like like, uh, like it was odd that we were both like when Lady, um, Adestra mm-hmm. like just basically bitch slapped her. We were like, ooh, that that, that was. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> um, so then, uh, our joint number one is City uh, Destiny of the Daleks. I nearly yeah. said City of the Daleks. So, for me, Destiny, like, I know, like, we've talked with previous companions, and like, you've sort of asked the question, like, is it, is it fair to include someone's first story in best or worst? Do you know, is it giving them a fair shake and whatever? And we've kind of gone back and forth on that. I, I tend to, you tend not to, because you like to give them a chance to sort of bake in. Or whatever. Uh, well, I, I think I think it first came to the fore with Time Warrior, yeah, because Time Warrior was a five, and we were like, like we're like we're meant to be discussing the entire character's worth of fucking yeah. thing, and it's like to give to to have the first story yeah. off the bat in either regards. Yeah. But no, like I I do agree like that there are times where something is so glaringly either one way or the outstanding other. or yeah. yeah one way or the other that it's like yeah you can't ignore yeah it. so for like for me the the two big things in destiny for me because my destiny was like 
shit anyway. Um, but the two big things for me for, from a manner's perspective was one, the entire regeneration in general. Yeah. Um, down to the fact, and like I, I was listening back to this part and I got so odd that like not only did she take this woman's face, mm. she took her clothes. I'm like, what's with the clothes? But like, the issue is that like they're setting up Romana 2. Who is Romana 2? Romana 2 is someone who thinks that she can just take on someone else's appearance willy-nilly because she'll never see them again. Mm-hmm. Which contrasted with Romana 1 who was so shocked that the princess in Androids of Tara looked like her and she was so taken aback by it and so you know, cognizant of it and conscious of it and then you, she then at the end of fucking the last story was like, oh, well, I want to look like this petite little blonde. So I'm going to look at it like, why, why, why do it that way? And so the idea mm. that she was a choosing to change, which I don't, I don't hold against her. I mean, that's fine. But the justification she gave for the form she took rubbed me completely the fucking wrong way and seemed mm. very against type, like we said, for romana as a whole and the second thing is this was like her most damsel in distressy do you know so and like, i remember i asked the question at the time what happened to the brave romana who faced torture or death against the shadow with her he- head held high and never gave in that was completely mm-hmm. fucking missing from this so if you were a fan of romana like we were and you're going through all of Romana's stories, and then you hit this one, it's like a fucking slap in the face mm. to the development that you've already seen. And it also just, like I said, it sets her up to be callous, obnoxious, condescending, entitled, but then also damselly and flaky. And like, it doesn't mm. set her up to be a nice person. Just like, if you no. liked Romana already, you're pissed off. And if this is your first introduction to the character, when I say, you know, as I've said it before, I said it on like the Half Measures podcast when we joined them. I tend to introduce people to Doctor Who through companions. I think it's easier. Yeah. Particularly with Classic Who. With New Who, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. With Classic Who, I tend to say, like, go with a companion because there's an easier entry point. If mm-hmm. you decided, like, oh, I've heard really good things about Lala Ward, you know, Shadow was released, and that's now part of that, you know, Blu ray collection. I'm going to use that as my jumping in point. And if this is the first interaction you see, I don't see you sticking around to watch more of her. Mm. Do you know? Um, so, so for me, like that, that's why. like It's off-putting as a viewer. It makes you not like the character from her first story. That's fucking painful. At least with Stephen, his first appearance in The Chase, he was fine. And then mm-hmm. in um, his first proper story, why has the name left my brain? Oh, um, Time Meddler. Time Meddler. Yeah, he had a couple of annoying things. He was overall fine, I think. I don't think we had any major issue with him in that one. Um, no. So he was fine. And so then you move on, you develop the character. So, like, again, I just fucking feel for Lala Ward. This is what she was given for her first story to air. Mm-hmm. It's just off putting. But what about you? Like, what were your thoughts on it? Um, so I think the biggest kind of cry crime is, um, is the choosing to look like 
the the princess mm. because we talked before about the whole thing of um the I think we told me you to mention like the whole sovereignty of body, you know, like identity theft type thing. Mm. And that's an issue of itself. But she's a head of state. Yeah. And if Romana goes off and does something along the same linear timeline as the as where that princess is, and you have Romana do something that affects another culture or impacts a, a potential alliance or Mm. anything like that and then you have it's gonna b- butter the shit out of me now i need to look up the fucking name of the princess it begins with a yeah one second because see when you forget um, things yeah. i know we have a problem because as a, so we had a discussion with friends of ours on work this week and they found it hilarious that paddy is my second brain mm. <laughs> my brain has a limited capacity and so Paddy's my external hard drive where he stores all the information I can't store. So when you don't remember things, I know we've problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Princess Astra. Astra. I knew it began with an A and I knew it had something to do with like, as- like I was like Andromeda. No. But, uh, but, <laughs> I thought you were going to yeah, say I knew no- it had something to do with asses. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I know like, like Astra is the head of state, so what happens if you know they decide to go on like a diplomatic mission mm. to a place where Romana Two has put in face and it's like public enemy number two or whatever, you mm. know? They, they just like you didn't think of the ramifications of these actions, and it's it's just so narcissistic, yeah, to me anyway. Yeah. And then as well is the. Yeah, I know the torture aspect of it. Like, and it wasn't even like a ruse. It was the whole. You know, it's like that joke of you know, like someone that's getting like a a tattoo, and like you're know, like, oh, oh, it really hurts. He's like, that's just the alcohol swab. <laughs> <laughs> that that type of shit. That's the way that it came across. Um, and then we talked about as well about the the whole she she escaped, got out, then recovered the grave knowing that the Daleks don't come above the ground. So what was the point in that unless to be just put a really cruelly intentioned prank on the doctor? Um, yeah, so it just, it it wasn't, like it wasn't a good showing. No. And I remember at the time, and again, because there's something like, us kind of being like, uh, let's give her some time. Let's give her some time. Mm. And make it better. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was was painful. I said, I think it, again, it, you know, so banging this drum to the cows come home. I don't think it did Lala any favors, mm. and I think it was a confusing mess in terms of yeah. characterization. But yeah, no, like it. Let's end on a high note. Which is yes. her best stories. Mm-hmm. Which is also equally fucking difficult. I technically only have one. Solid, um, um, <laughs> yeah. So, one two. so oh, okay. In my number three spot, I was torn between two. Okay. Which were City of Death and mm-hmm. Warrior's Gate. Okay. Then the number two spot, I put Full Circle. And the number right. one spot, Patty knew it was going to be, everyone knew it was going to be, 
horns of time. All right. What do you have? So in the number three spot, as I said, I was initially going to have Shada, mm. but something else that was a bit more substantial took its place. Nightmare of Eden. Okay. Number two was Warrior's Gate. Mm. And number one was Horns of Diamond. Cool. So why don't, don't why don't you go first with Nightmare of Eden? Because I didn't have that anywhere in my sights. So okay. why don't you go on first? So it comes down to two key bits. And it is one that really good standoff she has with Fisk about mm. abandoning the doctor on the ship mm. because it's her like showing the grit that we knew that she had. Mm. And she's like, you know, you can't just uh, do that or not. You, you can't stop me because his life is at stake. Mm. And she goes to press the button knowing that this guy is fucking trigger happy. So I really enjoy that. And the other thing then as well is um, her relationship with, and I had the fucking name there a second ago. Give me, Delia, give me it, it to me. Yeah, Delia. I liked her with Delia because they formed a nice, uh, a nice duo. Mm. You know, um, because if she was, she was considerate, she was compassionate, and like she always made sure that De- uh, sorry Della. Della's voice was heard. Della's voice was heard. Mm. You know, um. So, I, I, yeah, I just, I enjoyed. Like it was a good story, mm. and she just, she was a good. No, she did have issues in it, like with her mm. really bad impression of trying to be the doctor, yeah. <laughs> and also her last kind of oddly, like just her odd parting line. Yeah. Um, is is that meant to be directed at a fourth wall break? Is it you were again speaking down about the about humans? Um, so yeah, but no, there was positives in it as well. Okay, um, for me, why did I pick City of Death? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think there was a lot I didn't like about City of Death as a story. Mm-hmm. I get it; you're yeah. in fucking Paris. Get over it. Um, but Romana had some really good moments in City of Death um, and City of mm-hmm. Death is really the Romana intelligence story um, mm-hmm. for Romana too I think um, which I really liked I loved her dynamic with what's his face I've forgotten his name Duggan, Duggan. Um, I thought that was good and whatever Um I did sort of flip flop between that though and Warrior's Gate because Warrior's Gate had that a taking control of her own life, you know, mm-hmm. and saying I'm not going back, I'm staying here, and her, you know, constantly fighting for the slaves. Um, I think for me, just City of Death just sort of was a bit more of. And again, I think part of this is City of Death was before their breakup. So mm-hmm. we had got to see more fun interactions with the doctor. You know, we got to see her cluing into things in the room, cluing into things in the basement. She had some good interactions overall. And she got to sort of have more of her own agency, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, that, that's why it went to the number. Because it was fighting with Warriors Gate a little bit, but then that's because Warriors Gate was more recent for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that's why I have City of Death. So you had. Nightmare I had Vien, Warriors in number two, and then City of Death, yeah. and then you had Warriors Gate in number two. So why did you have Warriors Gate in number two? Uh, no, I liked Warriors Gate because yes, the the pri- the primary thing comes down to the the place of the tarots. I hmm. I know that the time I said that, oh, you know, there is a little fucking asterisk beside it because it is that she's just using this as an excuse to escape from Gallifrey. Hmm. I she genuinely seemed to believe in the cause. Yeah. And she genuinely, like, she repeatedly mentioned, we have to go and save them. We have to make sure that they're all safe. And there was this, it did seem like a final return to form. Like, her interactions with uh, Packard and Rorvik and Lane outside the TARDIS. This devil-may-care attitude, you know, tricking them and fooling them. Uh, getting her way back onto the ship, uh, her interactions with Adric, it it just it it was good. It was good to watch, you know. And I was actually going while the story fizzled out. At least Romana stayed consistent pretty much the whole mm-hmm. way through. Yeah, I would say so. I had full circle in second place. I'll talk about it in a second. I think the one reason why mm-hmm. I sort of bumped Warriors Gate out of that third position. Because mm-hmm. like originally, like, I was doing this list, you know, last night slash this morning, and I had Horns of Naimon, Warriors Gate, and Full Circle, and that was that was what I had this morning. And then I actually went into sort of put in some notes. And the reason for me that Warriors Gate fizzled a bit was it was actually the bit at the beginning where she you know she talks to the lads outside the TARDIS mm-hmm. because for me it just it didn't ring true. Do you know, and her like stupid signal to Adric and mm. whatever. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I thought she was great, you know, once she was on the ship and once, like, once she had her like end of episode two scream from that point onwards, I thought she was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, like that bit at the beginning, I don't think it was that strong, personally speaking. Um, mm-hmm. but, um Yeah. So in second place, I had full circle. And mm-hmm. again, full circle is going to be an interesting one because we've had, again, this discussion before. Do we include a story where for a large portion of the story, the character is not the character? So they are yeah. possessed or hypnotized or whatever. We had this a lot with Sarah Jane. Because um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think we even had a discussion about Hand of Fear. Like, you know, is Hand of Fear mm-hmm. a great Sarah Jane story? But she was possessed for the first half of it so how does that work mm-hmm. i think for me for me a just as like watching romana again like possessed romana in like that uh, scene where uh, the doctor the the scientist is cutting open the um marsh child and like romana screaming that is amazing like that's like mm. it's right up there with like harry going after sarah jane in the barn in terms mm-hmm. of sirens but for me the reason why i like it so much is the beginning and the end we get to see so much more of who romana is in herself mm-hmm. her sheer like how devastated she is at the idea that she has to go back do you know 
to the point where like you know the doctor's a little bit blasé about it and Romana's she's just devastated she doesn't want that mm-hmm. life anymore and I think it's the first real clear indication we got from Romana bar like at the beginning of the key to time where she's like oh like I want to go back to the door but it's the first real indication we got from Romana of what Romana wants and what's important mm-hmm. to her about herself so that I really, really connected with, I thought was really good. And I liked that we got to see that, um, particularly when we had struggled so much the previous season in who is Romana. And like we'd gone through the first two story of th- stories of this season with Leisure Hive, which was kind of shit. And then Megalos, which she was barely in it, Joe. You know? So mm. I thought that was really good. And also... While I think she had an interesting dynamic with Adric in Warrior's Gate, I think she had the best dynamic with Adric in Full Circle. Um, It made me very interested to see their relationship. She sort of was taking care of him in a way. There was a little bit of banter back and forth. Whereas in the one that goes unnamed that comes in between these, obviously that was weird because of the way they wrote Adric. But then Mm. in Warrior's Gate, I think she was a bit pissed off at him at the start <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. so it doesn't really ring true as much um but so i think she had a really good dynamic with adric i liked the way she was with adric's people mm. she wasn't holding their behavior against them and she didn't no she didn't blow her lid at them she wasn't you know she broke the hold grabbed the knife and handed it back um and for all of her you know goodness to them they treated her like shit <laughs> yeah you know? they, they left her to die like, they left her and... to die and stuff um but yeah so i think like for me i think it was a really good indication of who romana is and what romana wants mm-hmm. that i don't think any of the other stories we mentioned really goes into as much detail i said warrior's gate is kind of the other side of that because mm-hmm. the end of it um yeah but also i think warrior's gate was a bit rushed so um, that was why for me full circle goes in the number two spot I will say though that I think full circle mm. is probably Lala's best performance oh, yeah. yeah, across the entire two seasons because while yeah I, I generally just from the way that my head works uh, I generally kind of don't categorize the ones where they're possessed because mm. it's always good to have like I I think yeah like I've always picked stories where like, they're fully them mm. for the entire story her acting while under the influence mm-hmm. of that pathogen is fantastic. Yeah. Like when she's the wild lashy out animal, when she's the, uh, was it just like the, the hive minded, mm-hmm. like letting the other marshmen in and that section with the, when the vivisection is happening yeah. and she screams out is, Oh, is fucking amazing. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so like definitely in terms of her acting performances, full circle, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. And then we have the best of the best, which yes. is the Horns of Naimon. Um, yes. <laughs> I would say there's one or two things that happen in the story that are quite fucking dumb, such as leaving oh, yeah. her Sonic on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Romana, what are you doing, dumbass? But... Mm. I think there is so much in this story to level A, she created her own Sonic. That's automatically big tech, right? Again, it's mm-hmm. her taking yeah. her own agency or whatever. 
she was separated from the doctor for ages and was an active participant in that time. I loved seeing how protective she was of the tributes. Again, it's that scene. Yes. I can see the mind her sort of stood in front, hands out. Anyway, she's like knee high to a grasshopper. <laughs> she's tiny, mm-hmm. but she's there protecting them. You know, they don't understand what's happening. She doesn't understand a whole lot more, but she gets the fucking gist. And she's standing up protecting them. I thought was great. And again, like I said, it was that great callback to Romana one. It's that perfect. Like for me, the horns of nine one was that perfect evolution of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Into, like we were watching horns of nine one, and I was like, if this is the Romana we're going to get for the rest of them, I'm fucking here for it. This is fucking great. Um, her relationship or like her couple of scenes that she had with Sezam, who's like the Daedalus esque character. Yeah was so lovely and so sweet Mm -hmm. and again it goes back to that heart and that protectiveness that we didn't get to see enough of in Romana 2 but that was certainly developed from Romana 1 Um, and so it was nice to see that go in and then for me what is really the like pieces was the way she went off on one at Saldine and she just lost the plot entirely Mm. and like just read him to shit. I thought it was brilliant. It was brilliantly acted by Lala. Like I, said, I think in terms of stretching herself, I think Full Circle is probably the better performance from that perspective. Oh, yeah. But I think in terms of giving her, like, again, it's that Greek tragedy, that Greek mythology storytelling. Mm. It was so good. And like for me, like I said, I thought like, oh, this is going to be the beginning of something fucking great for Romana. I didn't think it would be the peak of the mountain and everything else was fucking downhill from there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which was unfortunate. Um, but yeah. Um, what about you? What were your, your thoughts on it? Uh, we were talking about like dumb moments going. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can answer all these questions. But first, where's the doctor? Who's the doctor? Never mind that. <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> Just, like fucking pick a point and stick with it. Uh, but no. I, you know, again, I agree. The story is her best story for many reasons. The the way she refuses to fucking be intimidated by the co-pilot, mm. despite the fact that he's, like, you often kind of, like, make the point sometimes of, like, the size of a person that's on one side of the argument, mm. you know? And, like, this guy, he's, like, about fucking a foot taller than her. He's, like, easily 100 pounds in her. And she, no, she's not having any of it. Go back for the doctor. She refuses to fucking kowtow. She acts like, again, yeah, the the mother hen to the the tributes. Mm. While at the same time, like, not fully busting the balls of um, the set, the Mm. Theseus character. Like, yeah, okay, look, fuck it, you... I'm not going to shatter their illusion because they need it, otherwise they're all going to fucking go insane. But I like that. Um, the bits with Sezam were wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And again, that that added so much to the story. Now, I know that we didn't rank it hugely high. Like, I gave it a 3. I think you might have given it a 3.5. Because... I gave it a 4. A lot of... You give it a four. It, right. it was playing in uh, Greek mythology. I gave it a four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, like there was like some stuff in the framework that just didn't quite sit right. But um, the 
interaction you know like her as you said going off it against Saldeed and she was fairly like actiony in this one mm. you know yeah Sazam does the adds a distraction for her so she can get back into the, to, to the time capsule but she's not down in the stretchy she's not screaming or anything like that she goes back for him like to try mm. and help him from what, I, uh, from what I recall and this was definitely one of those stories which was that okay the doctor's doing this but what's Romana doing yeah. I want to get to the side plot yeah uh, I think in this one we will kind of agree that Romana was the more interesting character mm. in this rather than the doctor really was Romana's story for the most part yeah because like the the doctor was because uh, I remember there because the TARDIS was out of action and he got stuck the and tar- they couldn't yeah. catch up and like he it only took ages like, to fucking only, catch up with them and... yeah and he's he, he's only really involved with Saldid and again we would have preferred if he had been going up against the Naiman themselves mm. in the uh, so yeah like it was really like her story to be interested in. Mm. because yeah like isn't there like one yeah, he's just by himself yeah, for he's, one he's... story for one episode and it's just like it's not great yeah like because he gets stuck over in the TARDIS um, yeah and the, the co-pilot drives off but the TARDIS yeah. is stuck <laughs> and so this is an episode of him just trying to fucking fix it yeah so no like this was like when when the fucking pressure was on Romana for this story, mm. she succeeded. Yeah, you know, and Horns and Iman is yeah is a story that like yeah I gave I gave it a tree, but I'd still rewatch it mm. any any day, you know, because outside like outside of the Greek mythology aspect of it, it is a good story. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of romana too um patty you did share with me uh you sent me a message on it uh that you found um from k9's wiki page um, yes that romana did eventually return to her own universe and she brought k9 mark ii with her having presumably repaired it and she eventually became lady president of gallifrey Mm-hmm. Um, and she's often sort of teamed up with Leela, um, who was also at Gallifrey um, at that time. So I do know that Big Finish has done a number of stories um, in that time frame and in that framework. Um, so if if you're interested in Romana, I, I would recommend you know, going and listening to those. I'm sure they'll be quite interesting. For mm-hmm. me, I think Romana has been a, a roller coaster of a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I'm glad of is that we can say we have a definitive best story, you know, would watch again or would watch again for yeah. Romana that like, if someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm thinking of watching, you know, should I skip like, oh, like your opinion of Romana too seemed a bit up and down to the, should I skip her? No, the very fucking least watch Horns of Nine because it's fucking yeah. brilliant so good um and now we're going to be on to our future stage where we've got no romana 
no canine either. He's gone off with her. Um, mm-hmm. And so the next time we chat, which is going to be for the Keeper of Traken, mm-hmm. we'll be starting out with just the Doctor and Adric, and we'll have to see what comes of that. I've literally not looked at anything else. I don't know if that's when this other person comes in. I think it is, but I don't know. Don't tell me. I want to be surprised. Um, but yeah, so we're going to have a couple of weeks, though, before that happens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everybody's like, yes. <laughs> it's going to be well. Okay. Um, but yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed our rambling of Romana. Get a couple of weeks off before we continue on. And then we're into the home stretch with Tom before we reach the end of the line. But to Paddy's point earlier, what were your feelings on Romana? I really want to know because mm-hmm. Romana as a character, like both one and two, has been so weird for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm really curious what other people think of the character, particularly of Romana too, but you know, Romana one as well and Romana as a whole, uh, both one and two. Um, and like I said, you can mm. reach us on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, threads as well. Um, yep. Email, carrier pigeon, smoke signals, you know, whatever you want. It works. He- helio- heliograph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, though. Bye. Bye.